Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Sweet Tennis episode. It's your girl, Steph, and today's episode is called Pumpkin Seeds. Today's episode is a little bit different from the other ones. Instead of me talking at you, I am instead going to share a story with you. So welcome to story time. Let's jump straight into it. Unas pepitas para el camino. Some pumpkin seeds for the road. Those were the last words I remember hearing my great-grandmother say to me. I was six. My great-grandma was the only grandma I knew. My mom's mom, my grandma, passed when I was very young, so I have no memories with her other than the pictures I've seen. So my great-grandma was my grandma. I loved her because I knew she would always care for me. I remember anticipating her touch a touch that was firm and slightly painful, but gentle and loving at the same time. I can recall her strong hands with lifted veins, hands I recall as soft, but after reflecting and talking to my mom, were very callous as a result of all the hard work she endured for years. Unas pepitas para el camino. The day she said this to me was the last day I saw her, the last day I spoke to her in person, the last time I hugged her, and more than likely the last time I kissed her. I was six. My mother and I were beginning our journey to Los Estados Unidos. As a six-year-old, I didn't really understand what that meant. I just knew we were going to a new place. How far? where it was and what it meant were things that I never thought about and never crossed my mind. I didn't know I'd never see my abuelita again. Unas pepitas para el camino, I thought to myself on the bus or what you would call the greyhound. I thought of the literal meaning in those words. The pumpkin seeds are for the road, to give to the road. I knew that's not what she literally meant, but for some reason, literal meanings of words was all I thought about. Perhaps it was my way of making sense of the unknown. Estados Unidos. I thought of those words. What did they mean? Then, I didn't know Estados meant states. I didn't even know what a state was. I knew Unidos meant together, so I thought, Estados sounds like estamos, which translates to we are. Estados Unidos. Estamos Unidos. We are united. That thought made me feel better about the unknown. About where I was headed to. I remember thinking, they are united. It'll be a good place. Maybe I thought I'd be safe. I had no idea what was to come. I immigrated with my mother at the age of six. I came to the U.S. knowing nothing but the phone number my father told me I had to know. 317-247-6127. 
2476127. I still know it. Somehow I knew my dad, who was already in the U.S., was not joking, and I had one job, to remember a phone number. My dad was preparing me for the worst. I assume he thought, if anything, at least she can call me. Whether he knew if I'd remember it, I'll never know. I'd rather not ask. Instead, I just remember that I was able to memorize it. Unas pepitas para el camino. I don't think the pepitas lasted for very long, but I tried to treasure them for some odd reason. Like somehow I knew I wouldn't get my grandma's toasted pepitas again anytime soon. El camino, or the road we traveled, was long and seemed endless. My story of how I migrated to the U.S. is one of luxury, shortly put. When I crossed the U.S.-American border, I did it in a car. I sat in the back with my mom in the front passenger side, and a random man drove us. No diga nada. Don't say anything. We spoke only Spanish, and I knew somehow in that moment that that was bad. I feared they could hear my thoughts and would know I spoke only Spanish. I knew we were doing something wrong. I just didn't know what that wrong was. We drove right through, and just like that, we were in what they called Texas, or Texas. But that was only the start. When we crossed, we were forced to leave all of our stuff at the motel we were staying at. Everything. My clothes, the toys I had, the tambourine my aunt's friend gifted me. I wanted to play the tambourine like my aunt did during church. We had to leave it all. We traveled with nothing but the clothes on our backs and the money my mother had. And then it all begun. The what seemed like endless days of traveling in a car packed with way too many people. The hours filled with hunger, thirst, heat, and feelings of being squished onto the car or truck doors because I was so much smaller than the women with us. When we got to sit in the front, it was like the best thing that could happen to us. I remember one of the men who drove us, fed us, what I think were gas station taquitos. I love that man for being so kind. Pepitas para el camino. Un camino que quizás nunca hubiera recorrido si hubiera sido por mi parte. A road, a journey that I probably would not have traveled had it been up to me. When we made it to our destination, my father one of my sisters and my uncle picked us up. We rode in our car with plenty of space. I sat in the back with my mom and sister. I don't remember much of what was said. I just remember discreetly lifting my jean dress and moving my beige leggings to show my mom and sister I had a rash on my inner thighs and genitalia. We made it to Indiana, safe and sound, in one piece, together, we made it alive. My journey was one of luxury, one 
that only very few immigrants experience. The other night, while on social media, I came across a post from Border Angels, a nonprofit organization that provides humanitarian aid along the U.S. and Mexican border. They drop off water gallons, canned goods, Ziploc bags with socks, bandanas, and images of highly worshipped religious figures like La Virgen de Guadalupe and Jesus Christ. I saw a picture of an abandoned child's book bag, abandoned shoes, empty cans. I saw the keychains, coins, and sombreros lost in the desert sand, left behind by those enduring the life-threatening journey to a better life. The images were triggering, and what broke me was the encouraging messages left on the water jugs by the angels. Sigue adelante. No te rindas. Sigue tu camino. Dios te bendiga. Buena suerte. Followed by a heart. Keep going. Don't give up. Continue your journey. God bless you. Good luck. I imagine myself making that journey across the deadly desert heat, tired, dehydrated, scared. And then I imagine the unbelievable gratitude I'd feel seeing food and water during a journey that seemed like a first-class ticket to hell, a ticket to my death. I think of how in that moment I think, es un milagro, it's a miracle. And then I fully understood why they call themselves border angels. Pepitas para el camino. Un camino, a road that I never physically touched. I was lucky. Many others don't share that fortune. I sat in my loft, surrounded in my privilege and felt sick. Sick knowing my people do this day in and day out. They risk it all, literally, hoping life will be better on the other side, only to find out life isn't all that great on the other side. You work to be exploited. You're away from some of the violence and corruption back home, only to be near a society that hates you. And for what? It's all for the American dream. It makes me sick to think that people honestly believe we take a life or death journey over the quote-unquote right way. The ignorance and privilege makes me sick. It makes my stomach turn. So I cried. I cried for the shit we go through for a better life. I cried because I felt guilty. I had made it across and so far while others die in the process. I cried for the children stuck in cages, consumed by the unknown. I cried for the parents who probably sit in regret in their cells for attempting to reach the American dream. I cried because I was hurting for every single person who gives everything up and hopes they gain more than they could ever imagine. We don't deserve this.
and this country doesn't deserve us. Pepitas para el camino. Mejor me las como aquí contigo, abuelita. Ese camino no se las merece. I hope that you guys enjoyed that story first off. That was my very, very short summary of what my journey was as I crossed the U.S.-American border. Like I said, at the age of six, I didn't have a say in whether we should come to a new country. I didn't know that what we were doing was not the correct way, if you want to put it that way. Um, I, I didn't know we would be breaking a law. All I knew is that my dad and my sisters were here, and I missed them. It had been a year since I'd seen my father, and when he asked me if I wanted to be near them, I couldn't turn that down. And my mom couldn't say no to her daughter seeing her father again and couldn't turn down the opportunities that my dad presented to her when he shared of all the, the growth that I would have here, that we would have here. And it's true. I graduated college. I have a job. I have a car. I live on my own. I'm doing well. I'm educated. I'm thankful for that. I'm well fed, clothed. I have a nice living environment. I'm doing good. I am doing better than I would be doing back home in Mexico. And for that, I'm grateful. But sometimes you have to sit and reflect on whether all of this is really worth it, whether it's worth my parents breaking their backs to, to make a living, whether it's worth my family, myself, my parents living in agony, not knowing if they're driving on the road, they might get pulled over and possibly deported because we're undocumented and we don't have a driver's license. Granted, I have DACA now for as long as that lasts, so I'm protected for a little time. My story was not to make you feel sorry for me because I don't need you to feel sorry for me. And it's not for you to feel sorry for all the people that have to go through those intense journeys. My journey was light. It was easy. My sister crossed while she was pregnant. She actually walked the desert. She could have easily not made it. Like the many other people who don't make it because they can't endure the journey or are left behind by the coyotes or are raped or even killed. It blows my mind to think that people honestly think we would literally risk our lives and we would take that path over the, the right legal path 
fuck you. <laughs> you think we would honestly pick this? Fuck no. Like if it was accessible and much more easy for us to go the quote unquote legal way, bitch, we would be doing that shit all the time. <laughs> like who the fuck wants to fucking be hungry and thirsty and die? Nobody. You know? But it is for the American dream. It is for hopes to have a better life. And and I, again, I I am living a better life, but it's not the American dream. That shit is a joke. It's dead. It's not accessible even to American citizens. So, but that's again, an, a, a topic for another day. I always say that it's a topic for another day because I don't want to go too far into that. I need y'all to understand that we're not doing this because we're choosing to fuck ourselves over. You have to recognize that shit is so bad where you're at that you're willing to risk your own life, your child's life, everything to leave that shitty life behind. That's how bad it is. You'd think if if we knew how we were going to be treated once we're over here, we would honestly want this? No, no. Nobody wants to be detested and targeted and oppressed by a society simply because we look different, we speak a different language. Nobody wants that, but we'd rather take that than what we're going through back home. And I really hope y'all take the time to contemplate this, this concept, this idea of, of what people go through. Take some time to look into Border Angels. They're a beautiful nonprofit organization that is doing something that is magnificent, literally going out into the desert and plotting these things so that people have them is beautiful. It fucking sucks that that's something that has to happen. You know, they know our people are still coming across that border and they're going to need that. So I thank them for that because I remember sharing a water jug in the cars that we drove in and sharing it with five other women and even at the age of six, I remember thinking, fuck, don't drink too much. I probably didn't say fuck. <laughs> I didn't even know what that was. But like, damn, hold on. Don't drink too much of the water. Yo, we need some too. But also like we need some for later. Like chill. That's in a car with AC if they had the AC on because regardless, it was fucking hot. Now imagine walking in the desert where you have so many threats to your life where your shoes probably melt from the heat. It's a, it's an intense thing. I told you I was going to come with some pretty intense episodes and here you have it. Educate yourselves, educate those around you, start to build that empathy and compassion. Don't feel sorry for people. We don't need you to feel sorry for us. I'm not here to convince you of my humanity, of my people's humanity. I'm here to tell you how shit really is so that you feel motivated to do something about it. You can donate to organizations. You can start voting for certain things. You can call your representatives. They're not going to, you know, immigration is not going to change overnight. But we need to start talking about this shit. And here I am doing an episode to break the fucking ice 
Ha, get it? Break ice? Fuck ice. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, you all. I hope you enjoy wherever you are in your day. I'll see you in the next episode of Sweet 20s. Take care. Toodaloo.